I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one. Do you want anything from the shop? Call it out. Chocolate! It doesn't say anything about a chocolate, does it? No. No, it doesn't. Sure it doesn't. So fuck off! My boss says he can eat 50 eggs, he can eat 50 eggs. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore! You're certifiable, Quint, you know that? You're certifiable! Hello, Dimitri. Listen, I, I can't hear too well. Do you suppose you could turn the music down just a little? Oh, that's much better. Hello and welcome to yet another Spool podcast. I'm Nigel Wheatley and with me, as always, is Mr. Pork McGill. Hello, Pork. Hello. So let's kick things off because you've just come out of the cinema with Captain America Civil War. Here's a clip. Captain America. Mr. Lang. <laughs> it's an honor. I'm shaking your hand too long. Wow, this is awesome. Captain America, I know you too. You're great. Jeez. Ah, look, I want to say, I know you know a lot of super people, so thanks for thanking of me. Hey, man. What's up, Tic Tac? Uh, good to see you. Look, what happened last time? It was a great audition, but it'll, it'll never happen again. They tell you what we're up against? Something about some psycho assassins? We're outside the law on this one. So if you come with us, you're a wanted man. Yeah, well, what else is new? Excellent. A little bit of Paul Rudd there. So that's uh, Captain America Civil War, which is the 13th film of the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the modern sort of sense. Would was you Iron Man the first? Yes. Kicked it off, whatever that was, nine years ago? Mm. Anyway, um, so yeah, it's a very, very, very big film. It's 147 minutes, which actually isn't all that long, but there's about a dozen superheroes that we have to keep track of here. So um, the film is basically the story of Steve Rogers, played by... Um, Chris Evans. Chris, no, no, Chris Evans. Chris Always Evans. get the Chris's mixed up. Yeah. Chris Evans. And he is effectively at war with Iron Man, both in a sort of ideological sense. And then they actually go and have a big fight. Because uh, the, the whole bent of the film is that they're, the Avengers are wreaking havoc on the world and they have to be held to account because too many civilians and casualties are being killed. So then the UN decides to be like, oh, you have to sign up to this agreement. And Iron Man's like, yeah. And Captain America's like, nope. Yeah, and so then it basically becomes a team against a team, um, which is um, a bit weird. But you end up with Captain America's team having uh, Hawkeye, Falcon, Ant-Man, the Winter Soldier and Scarlet Witch. Because effectively, we, we I suppose everyone knows this at this stage, but the Winter Soldier was the star of the last film. Um, and he was uh, Steve Rogers' friend from childhood. And here he gets framed. I don't think that's a spoiler. I think that becomes quite obvious. So yeah. he gets framed as being this new face of terrorism and everything. And so uh, that's actually Daniel Bruhl is the bad guy in it. And his guy's name he was is Helmut Zemo. Bastards, I think. Yeah. That's what I recognize stuff. Him from. Yeah, exactly. So a great kind of face there. And so that team is up against Iron Man with Black Widow, Warhammer, Vision, Black Panther and Spider-Man. Is that everyone? I think it is. Who's Warhammer? Warhammer is Don Cheadle. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, or Miles Davis, as we'll talk about him in a few minutes. There's mm. lots of little links here. Um, so, yeah, this is basically, like, it's a big, huge film. I really thought I was going to love it because I loved Captain America the Winter Soldier so much. Um, but I was a little bit undersold. I think there was too much going on. I loved the characters and I do think it's 
it's great fun but you genuinely have 12 people who you're meant to care about there's also two big white elephants in the room of where is hulk he's he's on the moon he's I on think. the moon yeah he's on the moon but we're not talking about that and thor is off on uh, ragnarok or wherever that mm. space is so they don't get talked about and then we also have another supporting character uh who is peggy carter's granddaughter um, which is kind of creepy Carter. yeah and he sort of fancies her then you're like oh but you fancied her granny yeah. all those years anyway she's not even really in in this Civil War thing she works in the CIA or whatever that's that's what 15 yeah. superheroes that we're kind of meant to know about and all along we don't get any of uh, Kate from Lost uh, Wasp from the Ant-Man film last year so I kind of feel like I melt, missed a film before seeing this like at the start they were doing a whole thing and I was like oh yeah, I, I, d- I don't think you did like okay. if you saw Ant-Man and you yeah. saw last year's Avengers I yeah. presume you did there's no gaps in there but they, they hit mm. the ground running and you're meant to kind of know who you know Scarlet Witch is mm. and what's going on there and how come her and Vision are kind of dating mating but not really my favourite scene was um, him cooking the paprika yeah, uh, Paul Bettany playing Vision. Um, there was for me. St- they still have those fun moments. Yeah, of, of but it's not humor. as funny as kind of other ones. Like for me, when it really came alive was when Paul Rudd as Ant Man turned up. I was exactly. like, oh, some humor. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, to me, the start of it's too long. It takes too long to get into it, and I'm like, oh, I don't care. No, that's obviously a payoff for the end, which was a surprise for me. I won't spoil it, but I was like, oh, I didn't know that. That's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, it's too long and drawn out and I just don't really care. I was kind of bored by the whole thing. I was just a bit like, Ugh. yeah, it's not yeah. like a bad film really, but I was just it's like, perfect. it's fine. I'm giving it three and a half because I did enjoy it, but I wanted to give it, maybe it's even a three, but I'm, g- I'm going to stick with three and a half because they did. The action set pieces are great. One of the things and we're going to talk about it a bit with Eye in the Sky is that there's very, very little like collateral damage of death here whereby like the big duke duke off that's not a word duke what's that phrase i'm going for who knows jewel jewel sure jewel between like the 12 the 10 or 12 superheroes there that i discussed um that happens in an abandoned airport in where is it zurich or something Mm. every single thing like every death is sort of accounted for and they talk about it then saying oh innocent people die and stuff which is so different to what we had four or five years ago with man of steel and the first avengers film where most of new york just got crushed and presumably a death toll of a hundred thousand and all that it's like they read the internet articles about how reckless these films had gotten and they're like okay let's make sure that nobody gets hurt in these Mm. so the the, but i agree with them the the ant-man bits and the spider-man bits are the most fun the spider-man stuff is really cool yeah he's in the trailer so it's not at all a surprise is he gonna get his own he has a film so so yeah web it's it's like a web uh, absolutely so our next marvel film to keep up with is doctor strange which doesn't even tie in with this at all to my eyes like so benedict cumberbatch is playing doctor strange and that that's coming in this november then we have a new guardians of the galaxy film next may spider-man homecoming is coming out in July 17 and then a new Thor film in 2017. So, yeah, and then we've Black Panther. We haven't even got to talk about Oh, yeah, him. he kind of came in at one point. And I, I forgot like, to mention this him. And I was like, this is list. actually Black Panther. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, so that was, that was kind of cool. I did like the way they did that, but I'm, I don't really want to see a full film. It looks really dry and boring and the made-up African country of Wakada and, you know, Sokovia. Why can't they oh, just yeah. go with real countries? Um, uh, that looks like it's going to be like The Phantom. Yeah, Just set in the jungle. I quite liked the Phantom back in the day. So it is th- that particular film comes out in February eighteenth, so nearly two years, and directed by Ryan Coogler, who did Creed 
and Fruitvale Station. So um, I think, yeah, like, so I think that's very much... quite a Black Panther well, power was, movie. The media around that was sort of like, they were talking about, you know, getting the team behind Selma to write and direct it. And or now they've gone with, with Creed. Yeah, like, it's it does feel strange that, like, the thing is, all the Marvel films, they sort of bring in directors and they're kind of really just jobbing directors. It's hard for them to put their stamp mm. on it, as Edgar Wright would sort of attest to. Yeah, um, there was a trailer before the film. There was half an hour trailers. But uh, is Tim Burton directing a new Alice in Wonderland? There it's is like a through, new film out at the yeah, end. Yeah, it's through the Looking Glass and it came up really quickly yeah. and I couldn't see if he I directed. don't know it's Tim Burton. We, we checked yeah, because I was a researcher. Like the way you're on about job and directors there, I was like, how does, because it looks like exactly the same film as the first one. Like there's no niche or like here's my stamp on it. But I was like. I, auteur. The I, auteur's yeah, touch. I don't know if it was directed by. So he's a producer. Yeah, so he's not directing it, but it seems like the director has done nothing, you know, yeah. original. It's just like here, stand behind the camera and hit. Play. Our researcher Vivian just handed me a printout from the teleprinter there, and Beetlejuice Two is um, in pre-production, and that's Tim Burton's next directorial film. And then Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. That sounds like the most Tim Burton title ever. Yeah, it looks like it too. Johnny Depp it? in it. Eva Green is playing someone. Okay, cheers, Vivian. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um. Uh. So yeah, I don't know. I out of just... five, where are you going, Captain oh, America? Two, uh, I think you're two and a half. I think you're nah, like, two, two is actively because, negative. Uh, when I was coming down the escalator, I was just like, no, and that was boring and stupid, and I didn't care about that. And like, Scarlett Johansson had nothing to do with it. All she did was load of high kicks and like comfort the men in the film. And I was like, come yeah. on, like, yeah, I did. Well, what's it's just getting far too crowded. The best action film from last year was Ant Man, the year mm. before was Guardians of the Galaxy. This year, I think for me, it's not gonna connected. be Deadpool, it's gonna probably be Deadpool. I, I completely agree. So the thing is, they need to realise that the one-off small little films are the, the ones that are actually able to hold their own. Like, this is just ridiculous, mm. so... I kind of wish Stanley would fuck off, too. His cameo? It was oh. horrendous in this. Tony Stank? Uh, yeah. Like, did like, you no stay, way are you... A f- did you stay for the post-credits bit? One of them. I presume there's one at the very end as well. The one at the end is fun. Just going to ruin... Well, not even ruining. It's a little Spider-Man nod. Oh, okay. Uh, I stayed for the, the Panther one. The Panther one, yeah. That mm-hmm. was very much, uh, yeah, Black Power. So, yeah, um, and very much like Batman versus Superman. In terms Which I of still like, haven't seen. You don't need to see it. Ever. Yeah. So very much of like, let's throw everything at the screen. The thing with Batman versus Superman is there's pretty much a trailer toward the end of it where they spend 45 seconds looking at footage of new characters who are coming up in oh, the Justice well. League films. And you're like, OK, at least they didn't quite go that far. And Batman versus Superman is completely joyless and loveless. And but I suppose this thing that... Uh, Captain America Civil War has gone for it is it can't be labelled with the Transformer thing where it's big massive robots smashing each other at least you yeah. kind of do have characters kind of fighting each other you know places aren't getting led to waste but you don't kind of really care about most of the characters or yeah what was at stake here the world or like one person no I think yeah. uh, Iron Man and Captain America's friendship mm. basically and comes down to kind of to daddy issues as well do you know what mm. we should actually talk about which deserves a huge there's a lovely bit at the beginning Robert Downey Jr <gasps> that was amazing he plays 20 you know 25 year old Robert Downey Jr and it's, it's very creepy incredible yeah but done very well yeah because so, I was thinking back to some other film they do it in the end of Harry Potter I think where they superimpose their films onto faces onto adults, so they do something and oh, it looks yeah. really weird and horrible. Yeah. But it's come on quite a way. This was 
this was absolutely incredible. You're like, what? How did they? And so we've reached that point where CGI is now just sort of like, don't even know what's real anymore. I thought that was a very special. The titles thing. were a bit jarring where it was just like Vienna, Berlin. Yeah, it was a bit much, wasn't it? Was it was just like, oh, OK. Yeah. And the Brooklyn versus Queens bit was a fun joke as well. So, yeah. no, it's a, it's a three and a half and two and a quarter. Two. Yourself, maybe a quarter. Um, miles ahead. Related. So the Don Cheadle link uh-huh. and there and the film we're going to talk about that after that has uh, a character from this as well. But we'll let you talk about Miles yeah. Ahead. So Miles Ahead is the biopic about Miles Davis and Don Cheadle stars and directs in it, which not too many people, I thought, give him that much credit for. I think it looks very well directed. It's and quite co-wrote well-directed. or produced. Co-wrote, it it yeah. seemed like something he held on to for years. Like he yeah, back in the day, he was wanted to be approached for some other film and then he was like no I don't want to do it and the family Muhammad Ali something in that and then the family came to him to be like here look would you do a Miles Davis thing and he was like yeah I'll do it but you know I'm not going to do a generic one so it took him ages to get the story together and here we have it that Ewan McGregor plays Dave Brill he's like this reporter from well he says he's from with Rolling Stone um, and that they've sent him to get Miles's you know story it's the period of life where Miles is kind of come he's gone back into reclusion it's like in the 70s 75 75 something 78 like that. Mm. Some sort of. so it's all around this tape then that miles is working on and the studio wants to get it and it's almost like turns into a chase movie a point but like i was really interested in it i was like oh this is really fascinating and it's a, like a caper film and you're kind of engaged and but then you read out bafter and it's just like 85 percent of it's all made up it's just kind of concocted this way to put it together and like it's um by all accounts he was an asshole but like at least they portray him to be an asshole and a drug addict and like a booze hound and a womanizer the kind of other so Don Cheadle plays Miles and then Frances Taylor is his like one true love that they keep referring back to and she's played by uh, Emetsi Cornaldi um so she's fantastic in it and it's kind of does that thing where it starts in 75 but it only goes back about 20 years maybe to when they first met yeah. and well, just married. in just in flashback as well. yeah so it's, it sort of works and those were brilliant like that was like i read in some review that that was like she's sort of the rosebud thing that just triggers a memory and then he's in in the scene and yeah there was a nice bit it. where he's in uh, columbia records i think and he's in the elevator and all the vinyls are framed in the elevator and he can hear this music and then he like pushes the elevator back and he's back at this club where he was performing. So stuff like that is done really nice and really well. It does kind of remind me more of I'm Not There, the Bob Dylan kind of imagining. Um, Todd Haynes' thing. That's about eight years, nine Mm, years. Let's watch that again. As opposed to like, you know, uh, Ray well, or Walk the Line Walk the Line yeah very linear sort mm. of focus yeah I only got to see it uh, this past sort of Wednesday um, really enjoyed it uh, wasn't sure about the Ewan McGregor stuff I didn't think they needed it and then I was wondering uh, How I heard something on the radio where they were saying that the film didn't really get the money without having like a white leading sort of actor involved. So once they were able to rewrite it and bring in this white journalist that it got funded. Oh, so okay. it's a bit grim yeah. that that's what had to be done. But he was actually a good enough character, even if he was made up. And I have no problem if they just make up things and like build a piece of art around like the person's character traits and stuff. Um, He like he seems to be playing the trumpet in it. He seems to be, like be incredibly musical. And there's a band bit over the credits at the end which has uh, Herbie Hancock was playing the piano and uh, Esperanza Spaulding, who's a current contemporary jazz figure. Okay, yeah. She was uh, in it as well, playing guitar, I think. Like, um... So it's properly, like as a jazz fan, I think 
you will really like it and because it got pretty mixed reviews and it I got think mixed that... enough reviews some aficionados were like well this isn't his life and so what though yeah but they were kind of more they wanted the like ray or something because someone was making the point like jazz fans and aficionados might be pissed off because it's not his real life and it doesn't focus so much on his technical ability and then people who have no idea who he is might be a bit like why are people so amazed by this like junkie yeah, I suppose it worked for probably for both of us as someone who probably have a similar thing of I own maybe five and I actually own on CD um, five Miles Davis albums and um, that's all like so I'm not a big fan but mm. I know enough about him and like those little nods to kind of blue and like that's really funny the bit in college where the girl when he goes to score some coke from the college guy. And the girl said, I don't know, we had a clip here. I don't think we have that clip, but, um, and she's like, oh, I like your song, the, the doon, 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 And you're like, oh yeah, the, that cue. So that is, yeah. I enjoyed those little nods and the bits of sketches of Spain, the way but, that kind of triggered yeah, them Yeah, but well. the way that it doesn't kind of just hone in on them, like, yeah. you know, and like, there's no scene where he has that amazing trumpet bit or anything where he's like, oh, I've nailed it. And then he becomes massive. Like, yeah. I kind of like the way it flies in the face of all that and they don't yeah, bother with and it. And similar know? to last summer, the Brian Wilson uh, film, I have a mental block, can't remember what it was called, but showing us the way Pet Sounds is kind of put together. Like, that's pretty trippy. Yeah. And jumped sort of times in a nice way. God um, only knows. Yeah, it wasn't called God only knows, was it? Was it? Doesn't oh, matter. probably not. Sorry, yeah. It doesn't really matter. Um, but anyway, do you? Uh, we won't play a clip from that. Will we do want to play a bit of... Play a bit of Miles, will we? Yeah. Okay. Guessing up Treeport. That's him. That's him right over there behind you. Oh, hey, Farron. Hey. Good to meet you. Good to meet you. Billy, you gonna marry this girl? <laughs> well, are you? Well, not likely. She's far too good looking for a wife. Well, if you ain't gonna marry her. Oh, hey, just me. Is that right? That's right. That's the wonderful womanizing Hank Williams. So uh, we went from the Miles Davis music into a clip from I Saw the Light because this is a music biopic section of the of the uh, podcast. So uh, this is directed by Mark Abraham and it's out on Friday and it tells the story of Hank Williams. So everything we've just discussed of not wanting a linear uh, narrative of a biopic, this does all that. So <laughs> spades, right? Little, yeah, like it doesn't... It just sort of tries to kind of factor in five, six, seven, eight years of time. Hank died at 29. Um, Woohoo, we outlived him. Yeah, we outlived him. He was a drunk. He was on, took a lot of, um, he was in a huge amount of pain because he sort of had lower back problems and all this and just drank and took different kind of medication pills and everything to try to alleviate 
his life from that and was horrible to his wife, to many women. That clip there showed him he was already married at that time, but he decided he just spotted this woman and he's like, she's going to be my new wife. So um, Tom Hiddleston is really good. He manages the scenes where he'll go from that horrible nightmare of life have, and then he'll go on stage and he'll put on the big smile. And it's that, it is that sort of iconic grin that we sort of, you know, a grimacing grin or something that you'd sort of associate with, with Hank Williams and stuff. So um, it was good. Again, similar to the Miles Davis thing, whereby I know lots about this, but I'm not, an, I'm not a historian on it at all. So I loved all the songs and they do do nice little bits about the recordings. Is it very rose-tinted portrayal of them, though, or does it get it's, murky? No, it's, or? it's heavy enough, but it's still, it's not mean enough. Like, it, it vilifies his wife a little bit. So, Hank Williams is, uh, I think she was his second wife, and then he had three <laughs> by the age of 29. I'm not sure, but his, it was her second um, relationship. Anyway, uh, Elizabeth Olsen, who was in Captain America Civil War. Very good, yeah. So, she plays Audrey Mae Williams, who can't sing, but she wants to kind of sing with Hank and stuff, and you know, she kind of gets vilified for having that ambition and being a bit like this is like someone mentioned it to me that it looked very like the Dewey Cox kind of yeah, story yeah. with walk John hard. C. Riley. So walk hard. The, yeah. So it is a little bit like that. And the woman at home, you know, getting them down and everything. So like it it just doesn't hold up. The script is far too slow. It's really boring. The direction. And this is coming from a fan who enjoyed the music bits. And even at them, I'm like, oh, I don't really want to see the bits in between. You can just show me the performance. Yeah. Bit, yeah. So. So yeah, um, it's out on Friday. Uh, it's but don't go see it. One for the fans <laughs> and maybe the super fans or something, but a perfect one for a Netflix kind of thing. But certainly not worth you know mm-hmm. twenty five quid or whatever for for Friday night date night. Yeah, you know, and everything. So okay, so we'll move on to the Jungle Book, which is connected to Captain America by Scarlett Johansson, who plays the oh, voice of. Oh, we're doing very well. We're Amazing it. that Captain America has. Has, uh, That's what happens when you have 15 characters in, yeah. in your film. Um, yeah, so everyone knows the story of the Jungle Book. We have Mowgli, uh, a man cub who's uh, left in the wilds. It's jungle. been fun to see people debate whether to spoil the film of like how things play mm-hmm. out. Um, because everyone should know the yeah, story. But I you think can it's only fine. be a child. It's if you're, if, been out if you're a four-year-old, okay, you might have seen the Jungle Book, so like, fine. Um, it's been out a fortnight as well. So stage. it's all live action uh, to a degree, obviously, um, and it's voiced. Um, so we have Baloo is played by Bill Murray. Then we have um, Bagheera is Ben Kingsley, so he looks after Mowgli, um, who is uh, Neil uh, Seti. And then King Louis, who is the highlight of the film, I think, for me, is Christopher Walken. Uh, Scarlett Johansson plays Ka, who's in it for about 45 seconds. Um, Le Pita Nyong'o plays Raksha. She's like a, a wolf and kind of the mother, adopted mother of Mowgli. And then one of the stars of the show is Idris Elba as Shere Khan. Uh, the film is quite scary. Um, you know, it's quite jumpy and it's done well. And I wouldn't bring two young children to it. Looks fantastic. There's a weird thing where everybody is ginormous in it. Like, um, Bagheera is a normal size, but Baloo is enormous. And King Louis is the size of about 50 elephants. And I'm just like, yeah. I don't really get this, but like, okay. Um, well, it's also, I don't think you have any real jungle where you have like elephants and wolves and pu- uh, mm. things. Was so he a panther? Puma. Uh, yeah. Puma. Puma or Panther, whatever. I'm not sure there is a real a real jungle where all this happens, so yeah, sorry to burst your bubble. Um, when Shere Khan finds out that there is a man cub in the jungle, he is adamant that he wants to kill it because a man has horribly mangled his face in a fire accident. And uh, 
yeah, so then he kind of sets all the animals against Mowgli and it's, you know, Baloo and Bagheera who are out to save him. Highlight, as I said there, was Christopher Walken as King Louis. He's doing this weird um, Marlon Brando Apocalypse Now kind of performance in the jungle. And they do work in some of the songs, which I think works well. They have the Bare Necessities and King of yeah, Swingers. Yeah, they felt actually fair to mm. be in there. Um I had very low, again, low expectations. And then week one reviews were in and it was just like, yeah, this is actually brilliant. And a lot of critics sort of saying that it was one of their favorite films of the year and everything. So got along to it on the Friday. It had been out a week and like a Friday five o'clock thing and it was sold out at like five o'clock on Friday. Like, uh-huh. So it, it, and it has continued bringing in the money. So it's getting and it's an interesting one because like, I don't think we really have a nostalgia. We kind of know the story, but. Did it get a re-release in 1994 or something? But it is a film from, what, the late 60s or something. 70s, maybe. 70s. Yeah. And uh-huh. so, like, we don't really have a nostalgia for it. And yet, lots of people wanted to see it. And kids don't know about it's it. It's not our Jungle Book. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's maybe it the generation above us is Jungle Book. But, uh, yeah. yeah, John Favreau directed it. They're also directing another one. A sequel has been claimed. But I'm pretty sure Andy Circus is working on another Jungle Book that's going to come out before the sequel. They're doing that oh. weird thing where two films that are very to similar. Why do they yeah. Um, I don't know because it made a shit ton of money but this, I guess the story I'd love to go for drinks with the cast actually I'm just looking at these kind of the names there that you can put in because not Ben Kingsley had, I think he's a bit of an Irish. Um yeah he'd probably buy the drinks would he you know him from uh, Breaking Bad Giancarlo Esposito he plays never watched Breaking Bad oh sorry and I don't watch Game of Thrones he plays Akela and then Christopher Walken yeah Gary Shandling yeah. he's a famous person he plays he's Icky. dead now I don't know who Icky was he's not is he yeah, he died like a week or two ago. Oh. Sorry to break that to you there. All oh, right. So who did he play in it? Uh, he's one of the like we, I noticed that when tiny... he's like one of the we, um, oh. uh, yeah, characters I think oh. when they're getting the honey down. Live podcast. Bereavement. He so he won't, he can't be in the sequel either. No, it might have right. been his last film. Max he... Favreau, is that John Favreau's son? Uh, maybe, or maybe his brother. No comment there. IMDb doesn't um, mention that. Yeah, so it's good, but I wouldn't bring two young kids to it, but maybe like. Yeah. Eight, That's a nine, bit, ten. yeah, the Kermode Mayo thing they were talking about and they were saying, I think that it's, is it P- G- PG? PG maybe, yeah. And so it needs to be, and John Favreau himself has said, look at the trailer and... Make your mind up. Make up your mind up based on mm. that. Um, I haven't gotten a link to our next film, Eye in the Sky. There's, it has a big cast as well, but I can't link anyone back to Captain America. Anyway, okay. yeah. Anyway, we'll quickly talk about uh, Eye in the Sky um, this film is out about three weeks, but uh, it's worth kind of seeing. It's made made good bit of money for an independent ish Hollywood ish kind of film. One of these sort of crossover. Yeah, so, um, yeah. yeah. So uh, the film is about the modern practice of targeted drone strikes, with um, showing all the conversation and deliberation that has to go into getting one of them authorized, and then the actual act of of doing it. So um, there's an all star. Hollywood cast and they're all in like four or five locations and it's mainly people talking on phones and on Skype and then one so uh, Helen Mirren is like in the bunker she's like British intelligence don't know why she's wearing an army soldier I wonder about that like and I often wonder like the other guys the actual drone pilots like they get kitted out and they're just going to hold a joystick is it to make them associate like to differentiate being like that's when I was a soldier but now I'm in my suit and I didn't kill anyone in my suit it is yeah maybe it's just because they'll be on Skype all and the then time, and Alan they want to look good. Rickman, one of his last films, perhaps. Is... I think his final acting role. Yeah, he plays Lieutenant Benson, who is the uh, he's who's sort of the, the, the liaison. Oh yeah, Cobra. Cobra. Very good. 
and he has to talk to the the, the secretary for defense and get all the approval. Mm. Yeah, he's very Alan Rickman. Oh, he is. I yeah. really really did enjoy watching there, and I'm like, oh, because I hadn't actually enjoyed him in anything in a long time. Like, sorry, Alan I kind of liked a little bit of chaos, or whatever that film was called, where he was Didn't playing Louis the Sixteenth. Yeah. So and then so he has to kind of get authorization, and then go back to his buddy Helen Mirren and say you can fire at will or whatever. But then they bring in. And it's all about passing the book. So the Secretary for Defence says, oh, I'm going to have to refer up. And then the Minister for... And then the English uh, people... The, foreign, se- the yeah. foreign Secretary then, he says, well, I don't really want anything to do that. We should ask the Americans, you know. And then the Americans are just kind of like, yeah, fuck it, kill those guys. Like, we don't care. Yeah, of course. Number two, three and five on the yeah. list, of course. And then the actual drone so, pilots back in Vegas in Vegas are yeah. that guy from... Aaron, yeah, Aaron Paul. Aaron Paul. Jesse from Breaking Bad, mm. who, and then another girl. So I think they're probably the weakest because... They just have the... But then, ultimately, they're the ones who actually press the button that kills people, so... Oh, and the guy from Captain Phillips, I can't remember his name. Um, um, he yes. is one of the, like, kind of... Um, he's in Kenya, yeah. Yeah, he's uh, one of, like, the spies within the country, um, which is kind of cool. I was just like, oh, he's got another film. That's great. Yeah, Bar- Bar- Barkhad Abdi. His bit was possibly one of the coolest bits as well. Yeah, anyway, it was the, main the kind thing, of thing where I was like, does this technology exist where they're doing these wee... In theory, but not in practice. Mm. I, I, I Googled that. So, um, his... His fun bit is that he's actually on the ground and he's kind of trying to get a bit of like close up intelligence. So he has a little bug thing that flies mm, into mm. this place where they think there are some suicide bombers meeting. And it turns oh, out yes. there are. Yeah. And there's a young girl who sets up a little table to sell bread just outside it. And they do all their maths and they look at it from their drone cameras. And they're like, OK, if we blow up the compound, that girl will probably die. Should we do it? And that's what they have all these mm. chats about. So it raises the thing like, you know, the, the the one woman, I don't know, she's some sort of MP and someone asks her, would, you know, if we give the OK here and the girl dies, is that worse than if we say, no, let's not do it. And then we watch these guys go and blow go up a shopping, shopping centre, but we center, didn't yeah. do anything. So but I then there's of... the whole thing of like the propaganda war, which is like, if we kill this kid, that's going to be a way where it's propaganda war to yeah. win. Then if, if it's nearly it better if to, the shopping yeah. centre does blow up or kind of thing. Um, like they shouldn't be there at all. It's mm-hmm. probably my rough politics on I, it. But equally, if they have the power to intervene yeah. and save lives, then you probably should. But this is bit of a daunting thing but yeah. um i i did enjoy it a lot and um it sort of clicked with me hit me on the right kind of day i think that whole i'm fascinated by that drone process of like going into it, the back of a lorry uh, thing over in nevada and then you control this thing and someone gives you the all clear and you and blow it, someone up and you blow like, someone up yeah and i yeah and like this they deal with it a lot in the tv show homeland as well where the consequences of it and going back to my days as a 24 fan as well so yeah and there was a movie about this two years ago with Ethan Hawke oh, called Good Kill, which was yeah. really bad and yeah. so I was apprehensive about this but I actually enjoyed it a lot and it's very Hollywood it's very yeah like, I didn't like the way they portrayed the like it was kind of funny like I was just like I'm not buying this for a second it was just like it was so like oh we're so thorough and we're so blah 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 like I thought Heron Millen was typecast as kind of like she was the strong woman which she's been doing for years on TV and Prime Suspect and you're just like right whatever but then they have this other stereotypical woman who's the one crying at the cabinet meeting because oh, it's like this is so horrendous what we're doing it was just like why don't you have one of the guys crying it's like why does it always have to be the woman that's sitting there crying wiping away her tears then like the the English or British army are portrayed to be this just like oh we're so vigilant and thorough 
and we're just going to moral. Yeah. And I was just like, go fuck yourselves. And then you mentioned that the way they portray the Americans is like anytime there's a phone call to the Americans, it's like, oh, blow them up. Why haven't you blown them up already? So it's just like portraying Americans to be hotheads and uh, British intelligence to be like the bastions of the world. And I was just like, oh, chog on. And then to me, if it had a because like, you know, you can go see it or whatever. And if you really want to see it, maybe turn off the next 10 seconds because I'm going to spoil the end of it because it's been out for a few weeks. They have the thing at the end where the child actually dies. She gets killed. And I was like, right, grand. But they do this thing at the end where the kid is running around in the thing. And it's like that Pulp Fiction thing, which is like, oh, oh yeah, you can see Vince and your man coming out of the cafe. So the kid's not really dead. It's okay. And like, I was like, if that had been like a European, less Hollywood film, they would have just had a close up on the dead girl as the credits rolled for five minutes. Well, no, she is like they they did kill her. But they did. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't like that at all. The way they finished it at the very last I was like yeah we don't need to have it softened we know it's crap but yeah. we also didn't blow up shopping centres but so. I feel they didn't make us hate the people they were trying to blow up enough there was no I was just like I don't really care about this kid either you know I just couldn't buy into the, the young stupid girl who just kept trying to sell bread yeah trying to make I just thought I found it all really funny as well Um, kind of like Doctor Strangelove a little bit where um, you know no the foreign secretary's the on the toilet he takes a phone call with, with diarrhea <laughs> And he's on the phone and then he hands it off and says, I couldn't possibly do that. And I, I thought that stuff was really funny. And they're like, yeah. just give us the bloody OK. So I don't know. Um, I think if you work in a place that has a lot of that, oh, I'll just check. I'll just check. I'll just CC someone in on that. I'll just check. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just refer up. I'll just check. Yeah. All that kind of nonsense. Um, so that's it. Another shite film. Well, that isn't. No, that wasn't a shite film. I want to quick, quickly mm. mention that I hate. It's my least favorite film of the whole year so far. Is like okay. out just this past. I weekend. think this looks good from the trailer. I, I wish. Yeah, I think you should see it. Yeah, the trailer is the film. All that stuff with the voiceover didn't have to be edited in. Yeah. Anyway, demolition directed by Jean Marc Vallee. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal plays this sort of smug financial wealthy kind of guy he's married to this woman who he never loved um the boss is his boss is her dad and then she dies in an accident and then he gets into some correspondence with the company who operate the vending machine in the hospital so he writes this letter about his m&ms not coming out and how it was traumatic for him and also it was traumatic because his wife had just died and then he gets he gets starts this relationship with the customer service person from the vending machine thing played by naomi watts but Mm -hmm. it's meant to be funny didn't laugh once really uncomfortable he's got nice braces in it not teeth braces yeah i look forward to seeing this and yeah i just cold heartless night not you know being able to emphasize no i think this is it there's no heart in it at all okay that's how i took it but anyway um yeah do we want to quickly also out this week another one that you've seen that i haven't i saw it it was part of the uh dublin film festival i was going to say the james in there but audi and um yeah won the oscar at uh, the most recent Oscars for Best Foreign Film um, is about a guy in the concentration camp uh, during World War Two, where he is Jewish but his job is to go around and clean out the rooms after they've all been gassed and burn the bodies so and then they're like this kind of unit that have they're set up and eventually after a while they themselves are executed because they know what is going on at the camp because the big thing is no one oh. knew what was going on at the camp it was really secret but certain Jewish people did and they had to do it so they could stay alive and not get killed so you have this whole horrific um, moral thing going on within their head he finds uh, a dead body of a child who he kind of thinks is his own well, it's not. he like adopts it and he wants to get a buried properly so then he's going around looking for a rabbi and um, to bury the kid properly but the whole 
trick or gimmick of the film it's just shot looking at Saul so stuff only comes into focus when Saul can see it so like I'm looking at Nigel doing the podcast now everything in the background here I couldn't see but you can see like bodies being dragged off and trails of blood and just the absolute horror from the front of the camp yeah always his front well no it's not no it's not he has to be he's in shot yeah uh, it's not what is it hardcore Henry yeah um (laughs) But yeah, like to me, that grated for a while though as well because I was just like, and it shot in in four three. Yeah, I was the, like, I kind of want to see what's going over the there, ratio. and the fact that it's blurry is kind of wrecking my head. But um, really engaging, Hor- horrifically you film to watch, and kind of the end of it, it was just complete grimness and everything. Um, but one to watch, but like yeah. you, you won't. You think? I mean, I think everyone can be a little. Uh jaded when you mention another film about the holocaust but all the press around this has been that it's really strong i think probably what you'd be jaded about if i told you it was an american film Mm -hmm. about the holocaust whereas this is hungarian so they have their own perspective on it and everything so yeah um Mm. i look forward to it um or i I kind of want to see it so Mm. um yeah so we'll talk about our movie moment of the month now uh, mine is from midnight special seems like it came out ages ago now uh directed by it did come out ages ago and we saw it about three weeks before before that, so. that came out yeah uh directed by jeff nichols who's teaming up with his regular uh actor michael shannon and it's sci-fi kind of rips off a lot of other sci-fi films but if you can get past that i loved it um we have this thing where it's a kid who uh, can shoot light beams out of his lung. He's kind of connected to the sun. Um, and he was on like a compound, kind of like a Waco. And they see him as a prophet who's like speaking the word of God. And he's going to tell them and they're all going to ascend into heaven. And then Michael Shannon busts him out of the compound because he's like, doesn't believe this. And he gets the help of Joel Egerton, who helps him. And they bring him back to his mother, Kirsten Dunst. Adam Driver also pops in it. He's a lovely wee cameo. He's kind of like the scientist, you know, CIA, investigator. CIA. Yeah. yeah, He's uh, good in it. And it mm, was nice to kind of get to see him do. Yeah. Stuff, so. so my for me, the whole film is not much of a spoiler, but like you kind of get it as you go on. To me, it's almost like the coping with the death of a child. And it's a really lovely relationship between all the family with Michael Shannon and Kirsten Dunst and the kid and everything. And... Um, there's just a, one scene in it where there's a look between Michael Shannon and the kid. I won't say exactly what's happening, but for me, I was just like, oh, that's fantastic. Like, and it's heartbreaking, you know, you were just like, all right, fair enough. Um, so that was my movie moment. It'd probably know. be my film of the I, year. I can't even remember what this moment was. Yeah. Can you not give us more of a hint? Uh, when they're in the car. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay yeah. Okay. I was just like, yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah. The ending is the bit that hangs with a few people. So that's the one thing. But yeah, very, very, very strong. Um, mine is from Eddie the Eagle when Eddie actually makes uh, the jump. This is, I think, is going to go that down as like one of the fun. most, yeah, as one of the most misunderstood films of the year. Uh, directed by Dexter Fletcher, who you're going to know from a lot of these British films, and it's the story of Eddie Edwards, who's this sort of like a Forrest Gump figure who ended up doing ski jumping at the 1988 Winter Olympics, and he's up against the establishment, and he's a working class guy who's up against all these wealthy kind of you know sort of society people and um yeah Hugh Jackman is also in it and he's good and Christopher Walken who is in the Jungle Book so he plays um, does he win the gold um he doesn't win gold the whole oh. thing is that he only has to kind of complete the jump like it's not about winning it's basically about Taking actually part. doing it yeah and not dying so it's it's great fun it's a real uplifting we saw it on like a Wednesday evening and it was raining outside and really properly properly cheesy but 
you know, loved it. Yeah. Clicked on the right day. It's the kind of thing where it's like, how the hell did they get um, Hugh Jackman to be in that? Yeah, no idea. But and mm. I don't know to make much money. Um, we'll wrap up really quickly um, with a bit of a chat about May. Um, my one is Everybody Wants Them, the Richard Linklater film, which is out in two weeks' time. Um, we're not long since Boyhood was cruelly deprived of the Oscar two years ago. So this is his next film anyway. Can't wait. We're getting to see it on Tuesday. And yeah, again, trailers look really stupid, but I think it's going to be good. Yeah, I read a brilliant piece by uh, Richard Richard Brody of the New Yorker. My go-to guy. And uh, he said it's his best film yet. So I was just like, oh, cool. But that trailer is really bad if you look back at it. But I think maybe they didn't know how to sell it. It was that classic thing of like, oh, shit, we don't know how to. So we're going to make it look like a jock film. So people will be conned into going to it when it's probably a romantic comedy almost. But not as soppy. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, uh, mine is very excited about Night of Cups. Anytime Terrence Malick makes a film, I'm always enthused. Um. Yeah, To the Wonder was a bit hard going in 2012, but really dug Tree of Life in 2011. He's become quite the prolific director now, having directed a film once every like 20 years normally. Yeah. Um, so stars uh, Christian Bale, um, who's kind of disillusioned with his life and he's a screenwriter. So it's kind of, if you see the trailer, I encourage you, like if you've, if you've seen a Terrence Malick film, watch the trailer and you're like, ah, oh, it's classic Terrence Malick, here he is. He's kind of moving away from these linear storylines and it's more all about the image so I'm like yeah, yeah. so in music image is like fantastic it'll be more like a poem yeah than a film so that's, that's what you're looking for yeah, yeah um, alright well I'll head off oh, can now I just give you'll head off now oh really shout out to the IFI because they're doing they had a brilliant sci-fi film and now they've got uh, it's in their program this month where it's um, Andrei Tarkovsky they've got a season of his uh, coming up in May which looks fantastic so I might actually get to see some of his films Go to see the screen. original Solaris maybe yeah and Stalker which everyone says is a masterpiece so okay good stuff um, speaking of Dublin cinemas with special seasons the Lighthouse Cinemas Pacino v De Niro season continues um, midway through May they've got two showings of Dog Day Afternoon which uh, was a very influential film for me in my film Education many years ago it has no score Al Pacino plays there's, there's, I won't actually ruin too much of it. There's issues around sexuality and yeah, I remember uh, watching crime this. and identity and everything. Mm-hmm. There's a very deep I film. I taped it off the telly because everyone's like, oh, it's a film you should watch. And then so I was just watching it one day and the th- reveal happens. And I was like, what? And yeah. I was like, this is brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> so it's about, it's basically, it's a film about a bank robbery with no music. That's all I'll say. Here's a little scene from it. And if you get an opportunity to see this in May in the Lighthouse Cinema, go along to it. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next month. Bye bye. Ha- Happy May. Get somebody to talk to me. I'm not talking to you anymore. Oh, let me talk to you. Let yeah, me talk you tell me one thing. Right, what are you doing before. back there? I don't know what the fuck they were doing. Yeah, back you don't there. know. You're full That's of shit. Another force there. back there. A tactical force. A tactical they like force. Shoot. They like to jump yeah. on ropes. They like to climb into a window. They like it, right? Without They're your like orders, right? Without your orders. No. Yes. Without my orders. Yes. How do I know you're not going to come through the roof? Because I'm telling you that we're not. Yeah, you're telling me a lot of things, but you're not doing them. Oh, God damn what I told you that we had What were they doing room. back there? That's I what I really know. They were doing you back can't there. answer God me, damn right? out of You here. can't answer me. What? You can't answer me. Yes, I can answer you. So we you have no communication shut up there. No communications. Look, we got, got a guy in there. I just said to me. I got a guy in there who's going to kill somebody. That's your responsibility, you understand? Not mine. Now, wait a minute. Hold a second. Let's. We got everything you wanted. Oh, yeah? Yeah. We can't get a helicopter in here, but we got a bus coming. We got a jet coming into Kennedy. All right? Okay? All right? 
Now we got a, we got a hold of your wife. Your wife is coming. We reach her, and she's coming here. All right? Okay? Where you coming? I've been dealing right. I'm right here. I'm right here. All right? I thought we were going to talk. I thought so too, but we're not talking. We're I'm talking now. All right? That's what we're doing. We reached your wife. She'll be here in about a half hour. Okay? Okay? What are they doing? They still pointing. They love to point. Holster that weapon. Holster it. Holster that weapon. You too. All right, come on. What do you want? Now, what else do you want me to do with him, huh? I don't know how you could do any better, huh? We got everything you wanted, everything. I'll do anything I can to stop anything I can, all right? I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one. Do you want anything from the show?